0: Beloved, in our previous Love's Last Call podcast message of the Watchman's Cry, I addressed salvation's mandate, which was confirmed by Jesus as recorded in chapter 3 of the book of John, where we read that Nicodemus, a Pharisee and leader of the Jews, came to him with a life-eternal question of, How can one enter the kingdom of God? The answer Jesus gave to him was that one must be born again. Today, we're going to delve more deeply into the reality of the new birth miracle that can only come through Jesus Christ the Lord by way of his perfect blood atonement sacrifice on mankind's behalf and the Sabbath rest that is provided in knowing that it is by grace alone and not by any works that man could ever offer before a perfect and holy God. In Ephesians 2, 9, we read, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Jesus reiterates this awesome gift of grace in John chapter 6, where after witnessing his many miracles, the multitudes followed him in boats and came to Capernaum seeking him. When they found him, Jesus said to them, Do not work for the food which perishes, But for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you, for on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. They then said to him, What shall we do then, that we may work the works of God? And in response, Jesus answered again and said, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. The Greek word for believe in that passage is pistuo, and its meaning reaches far deeper than having merely a mental assent or knowledge of, for James 2.19 tells us that even the demons believe and shudder. To scripturally believe in the Son of God is to know him in truth and to put your full confidence in him and his atoning work alone. It requires yielding yourself to his lordship in full and uncompromised belief in and acceptance of his unadulterated word of life. Many false ways will acknowledge Jesus, but not as his word accurately reveals him. Paul the apostle warned with a curse set upon those who come preaching another Jesus, meaning that there is only one true savior, but that many counterfeits of him are being preached. Here are a few examples of the blasphemous and false preaching of another Jesus. Roman Catholicism preaches Jesus as the son of Mary, who is really the primary deity of that Babylonian cult. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as Mormonism, preaches Jesus as the brother of Lucifer and one of several gods created by the super-god Adam, an exalted man. The Jehovah's Witnesses preach that Jesus and Michael the Archangel are one in the same. The Unification Church, also known as the Moonies, preached that Jesus was only a spiritual redeemer who failed to provide the physical redemption that the new Messiah, Reverend Moon, will supply. The Worldwide Church of God preaches that Jesus is part of a Godhead that is open to perfected men. The Way International preaches that Jesus was a created being, but not God himself, who was sent by God to die for the sins of man. And the mind sciences such as Christian science, religious science, unity, theosophy, and so on, preach Jesus as only a man who manifested the Christ potential that resides in each person. And these are only a few of the many counterfeits of Satan, that are leading many to their eternal destruction. But God does not leave those who really seek to know him in truth left to wonder. By his word, he has revealed the genuine Jesus in majestic and trustworthy revelation. We read this sacred acknowledgement in the book of Matthew, chapter 16 and verses 13 to 18, where it is written, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He began asking his disciples, saying, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He then said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. By Holy Spirit inspiration, the eyes of Peter were opened to see Jesus in holy recognition is not merely a good teacher or just a prophet, but the Son of God and God himself. And here it is critical to understand that Jesus was not dubbing Peter as the rock or first pope as Roman Catholicism falsely teaches. He was using Peter's name, which is Petros in the Greek and means stone or rock, only in type and symbol, for it was upon the rock of Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he would build his church. Scripture is very clear that it is Jesus alone who is the rock of our salvation. A few examples are as follows. In 2 Samuel 22, 2-3, the prophet writes that, "'The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge.'" my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. In Psalm 62, 1-2, to it is written, My soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 1-4, we read, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Beloved, Jesus Christ alone is the rock of our salvation. And his truth rings out through all eternity with the cry of his amazing grace. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There is no other way to heaven's destiny but through him and him alone. Nothing added and nothing taken away. Salvation's miracle begins at the point of man recognizing that he is a sinner without any hope of attaining any good thing from God on his own good merits, no matter how much he masters his own attempts and futile efforts. By no choice of our own, we were all born spiritually dead and without hope of ever being able to please a perfect God who is holy and righteous. That is why the necessity of being born again Is mandatory. The one who remains spiritually dead will face an eternity as the living dead in hell's abode, for all have sinned and the wages of sin is death. Only those who become born again as a new creation will be granted eternal life in God's majestic and celestial kingdom. And through his great love, grace, and mercy, the Father made that miracle provision possible through his own Son, Lord Jesus the Christ, who willingly and lovingly shed his own holy and sinless blood in payment for our sins. He then rose again from the dead in glorious resurrection power so that those who would share in his death would also share in his resurrection new life and be reconciled once again with a Father in heaven. When a person truly encounters the God of grace with an open heart, his eyes become open to who man really is in our unredeemed Adamic nature. Every excuse, platitude, and empty defense bows its knee at the foot of the cross as recognition of what the Savior endured in payment for the punishment of death our sins deserved, takes hold in heart-wrenching understanding. The words of a well-known song say it well. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Man cannot share in the resurrection miracle of eternal life in Jesus Christ the Lord without first sharing in his death. All of self must be emptied in order to make room for the life of Christ that is given in exchange. At the moment one truly repents of their sins with heart heartfelt surrender and puts their full trust in him. Second Peter one four tells us that at that divinely orchestrated moment, we have now become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. And in Colossians 1.13-22, our new spiritual residence is recorded. For he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. O beloved, if you feel the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart with a sacred invitation to turn to the Lord Jesus and his amazing grace endowment, but have not yet come to the end of yourself and every religious and vain effort to ensure your salvation security, I pray you will do so now while there is yet time. His love, is calling with open arms if you are already his please be encouraged and strengthened in the knowledge that your name is written in the lamb's book of life and that his love and protection are with you always and to be sure to share the good news of his salvation promise every chance you get for you are the light of god to a dark and dying world and until next time as always, I bid you His agape. You've been listening to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. If you'd like to receive a CD copy of this message or you have a prayer request, please contact us at Agape Light Ministries, P.O. Box 6313, Chesterfield, Missouri, 63006 or via our website at www agapelightministries.com. Again, that's www